You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hello and welcome. This is Go Doc Yourself, and I am your host, Aaron McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt, your co-host today, while we talk about naughty naughty books. books. (laughs) Maybe we should also talk about childish women. I don't know. (laughs) I think we've just proven why we don't do audible books and the fact that we're never going to get hired to do phone sex. Right. Yeah, that's what that just summed up right there. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking about naughty books this week. This is a documentary from 2020. It was an hour and 22 minutes long, and I believe I watched it on Hulu. Me too. The director is Austin Rackless. Sure is. So this documentary, my first impressions were, this is going to be fun because Mm -hmm. it's about erotica and women writing erotica and women reading it. I mean, not in front of you per se, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Not in lingerie. Sorry about it, fellas. (laughs) No. no. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I was a little disappointed. It was a little dull. Yeah, it was a little deeper than I thought it was going to be. My first watch, I was like, okay, I wasn't that excited about it. It's a good story because it's talking about women finding mm-hmm. success and like some of the stuff that they face as authors and blah, blah, blah. Great. Right. You know, I like to learn things and this was like, oh, you know, I didn't know the ins and outs of the publishing world and I feel like I got a better clue into that. The second time when I took my notes, I was really more into it. So I'm glad I watched it twice. So yeah, I think I was just the opposite. The first time I, I watched it, I enjoyed it more. The second time I was just kind of like, okay, well, I've already seen it. I'm kind of right. bored now. I just didn't want to watch it again. Well, I, you know, I, I have noticed I have to be in the right mood. I'm like, there are some that just grab my attention right away. Mm-hmm. Like when we talked about penises and I'm like, God damn patriarchy. Yeah. I'm more interested in <laughs> men's stuff than women's stuff. And I was like, oh, what does that say? That we were raised in the patriarchy. Yes. Oh God, it's the worst. So yeah, the second time around, I think I just was. I was by myself. I was really focused instead of like mm-hmm. dealing with all the shit that I normally deal with. Right. Much like when I read a book that I can lose myself in that if it's a good one. But again, I have to right. be able to concentrate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this documentary kind of goes through the explosion of erotica into the mainstream after Fifty Shades of Grey. Now, it's not that it wasn't around before, but it became much more palatable mm-hmm. for women to read it in public, right? Mm-hmm. And then also discusses a couple of authors that we we follow through and see how they've Mm -hmm. done it. It was interesting. I enjoyed it. I think it could have been about 45 minutes long instead of an hour and 22. Yeah. They actually read snippets of everybody's books. There's some interesting artwork going on with that, which is fine. I mean, they had to show something. But I guess to me, it is really interesting because I would still have called this romance. This to me is not necessarily erotica. So I think there's probably a line somewhere. You know what I'm saying? If you're just going off of what they read, I'm guessing right. they're not reading the most. I wondered about that too. Yeah, the spiciest bits. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get into this. It starts off at this convention, right? there. I don't know, was this one in Vegas? I think it was. Mm-hmm. There's a huge romance erotica convention for authors and mm-hmm. women who enjoy it. And it was... Amazing to me. And honestly, if I saw one of those locally, I would go. 
Oh, hell yes. It'd be amazing, right? Could you imagine? I thought it was interesting, like, how many times do you, you know an author's name, but you have no idea what she looks like or he Mm -hmm. looks like. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's kind of fun. You know, you could have your stuff signed or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, and some of them, I thought it was so funny because they're like, you know, I'd rather read smut than do housework. Oh, yes. I'd honestly rather do just about anything (laughs) than do housework. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, one woman had said that prior to starting to read romance and erotica, she only read like two to three books a year. Mm-hmm. And then once she started picking this genre up, she read like 88 books in a year. And right. I think that's amazing. No matter what you're reading, I don't care if it's comic books, if it's historical fiction, if it's Westerns or erotica, you're reading and that's good for mm-hmm. your brain, no matter what it is. I like too that they discussed the e-reader really made some of this mm-hmm. stuff more accessible because you didn't have to drag your Fifty Shades around. <laughs> And people could see the cover of what you're reading and whatever. So to me, that made a huge difference because I've experienced some comments from people like, oh, what do you know? You're reading smutty books or whatever. And I'm like, so what? It's pleasurable for me. And Mm -hmm. I don't need to like, I'm sorry that I'm not just reading, you know, biographies and, you know, books on war or whatever. Like, okay. I agree. I've had a lot of people make comments, even I remember in college, I was reading the um, the Suki Stackhouse books, and the covers of those are very juvenile, oddly <laughs> enough, because the books themselves are not. Right. And I had a friend was like, what the fuck are you reading? Are you <laughs> reading like some middle school book? I'm like, no, I promise it's not. But to be able to read whatever you want without anyone questioning it or giving a shit, I think really opened it up. Plus, it opened it up opened it up for independent publishers and people to publish their own stuff. Right. Which is powerful. Yes. So when Fifty Shades came out, did you read it? Were you interested in it? I didn't read it. And I I did. I've always read romance and erotica. Oh, yeah. But I did not read it. And I will tell you, it's because people told me it was poorly written. So it had nothing to do with the content as much as Mm -hmm. the writing style I heard was not very good. And I can get around a lot of stuff, but that's something I think would have driven me crazy. I actually have the same exact experience. Um, I had a good friend and she was like, you know, if you want to read some good erotica, I'll give you some uh, recommendations. And, you know, I did. And I read some of what she said and it was not quite my speed, but I appreciated the fact that I tried something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the same was true for me. I wasn't interested in reading Fifty Shades because I heard that the writing was so bad. It was almost just, I mean, it's just distracting. Yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, good for her for getting it published and getting it out there and making people more aware that one that women also buy books. There's a, there's a really big market there. (laughs) I think they tend to overlook us. I mean, they discussed throughout this documentary that romance is the top selling genre period. Oh yeah. It's often overlooked as just fluffy bullshit. But why is that wrong? I guess, you know, we kind of come back to that. What difference does it make what you're reading? Like, Fifty Shades was a phenomenon and it was Mm -hmm. awesome because it got people talking about things they hadn't really talked about before. So Mm -hmm. I totally give credit to the people who got kind of in on that and learned something. Or yeah, yeah, I mean, books are supposed to stimulate your mind. So if it's in a sexual realm, okay, I don't have any problem with that. Mm -mm. Did you read Anne Rice at all? No, she was, I'd found some other stuff by the time I came across what she was writing, like some other vampire stuff, which I have habitually always been a vampire fan. Mm-hmm. 
but I was sort of too young at a time. And then I transitioned out of it before I ever got to any Anne Rice. So yeah. that was my, my bad. Well, she wrote the Sleeping Beauty series. It's a Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. trilogy. Have you read that? Nope. That's erotica. And she originally published it under A.N. Rocular. I don't know. So something that rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Okay. It's something French. French. <laughs> Francais. It now, if you look it up, will have her name associated with it as well. Oh, okay, but gotcha. for a long time, it didn't. And let me tell you, it's it's pretty extreme. Okay. It's interesting. I don't know. It's just one of those things that you're like, okay, as a she's a huge author, mm-hmm. and even she wanted to to venture into this realm, but not like under her name. <laughs> you know, she didn't want to like tarnish her reputation. And I yeah, they kind of talk in this in the documentary about like, look, there's some backlash that people experience when you're writing erotic fiction. The the book that I read that my friend Sarah recommended was the story of O, and there was a part in it where I I did not understand what happened. I'm like, I'm gonna need like a diagram. <laughs> I love, but I mean, still to this day, I'm like, and we talked about it. I'm like, did you understand what was going on there? And she was like, Nope, sure didn't. So, I mean, how interesting and curious do you get about you know shit you don't know? So, yeah. that was a trip too. I generally just move on. I'm not googling it. <laughs> But yeah, I think, again, erotica has been around forever. And you have, as a woman, have historically had to be careful mm-hmm. what you publish, what's associated with your name. Yeah. So the authors they talk to, they talk to, they talk to a few different authors, but they're, mm-hmm. they're three specifically they follow and one kind of half follow, right? Sure. So we'll start with Laura Lynn Page. They start talking to her. And what I love is she... I did not look up her books, but she's like, I love the fact that no one really knows that I'm famous. Wildly famous and successful. Yep. Yep. The secret millionaire. Like she's Mm -hmm. making shit tons of money off of her writing and no one knows. And I'm like, good for you, girl. You live that life. Right. Yeah. And they, they kind of talk to her a little bit throughout. They talk to her and her husband. Yeah. He had discussed how, you know, it can be kind of hard and, he went through a bunch of depression because once she got famous, mm-hmm. his income was no longer needed. And so, you know, it was hard for him to shift to the, I'm not the breadwinner. I am not needed. I am not. Mm-hmm. And he went through depression in that. And I'm sure that was not easy for their marriage. No. All of them kind of talk about how hard that is on the marriage, having the woman be more successful. But they did make it work and they've been together. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're still together in that. And I think one of the things that's interesting is she discusses how, you know, women are not allowed to be sexual, right? Yeah. We're not supposed to be sexual in public. Of course, men want you to be, you know, they want you to have all the experience to pleasure them when you're in the bedroom, mm-hmm. but they don't want you to get that anywhere else, right? <laughs> you just have to be born with it. Yeah. You're a lady in the streets and a freak in the sheets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the classic twist on the Madonna whore kind of thing, right? But yeah, a woman has to be virtuous. And to avoid kind of some of these slut labels um, that even the authors face, if you're an author and you're writing this, you're still labeled as a harlot or whatever, because you have the creative sense to come up with some of these sexual scenarios. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think that that probably has to go in with this husband ego check you know, the man in the, in the situation, if your wife is writing explicit material, I think that that has to be, there has to be some play there as well. But I give her husband props for, and I didn't catch his name, but I didn't either. 
you know, a lot of guys wouldn't even go on camera and talk about having struggled with this. And I thought it's a hard thing to put yourself out there because this should not be a factor between married partners in life, right? Like you should be celebrating your partner's success right. instead of, you know, not in this story of their marriage, but in others, like instead of the husband shitting all over the wife because she was more successful, I just was like, oh my God. That was heartbreaking. We'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. I give him a lot of credit. He sure. stands by her, even mm-hmm. though it was very, very difficult and they seem, they seem to be doing really well. Mm-hmm. But I like how she also describes how because we're not supposed to be sexual, we are not supposed to be the ones to initiate. So a lot of times in these books, you have a male that's almost forcing it and not to the extent of, I mean, there's, a, there's they talk a lot about the rape culture and, and mm-hmm. that. But she's like, if the man is somewhat forcing it on the women, then she can enjoy it without taking the responsibility of doing it. Right. Yeah. She's able to still maintain her virtue because she didn't make this decision. It's Mm -hmm. kind of being made for her. Yes. But once that's established, she's allowed to enjoy herself. Like Mm -hmm. she's never enjoyed herself before, mind you. That's that's a theme running through this whole thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a lot of interplay between... (laughs) They call them the heroes of the story of that these men are kind of the heroes, you know, versus the woman's character. But of course, you know, he's always a billionaire, you know, has incredible sexual prowess, right? It's never like the paper boy or whatever. It's always <laughs> these men that are like super hot and wildly yeah, successful. It's not and, Jerry from IT, yeah. Right, exactly. It's, I don't know, they've got these crazy stories. It's always stories. someone like a motorcycle gang or, you know, it was, it was <laughs> yeah. interesting to me is some of them were a lot more aggressive. So let's talk about CJ for a minute. Okay, sure. CJ Roberts, she was the author, or is the author, of the Dark Duet series. Mm-hmm. I have not read it. However, I plan on picking it up. I know. That's what I was too. I'm like, ooh, hopefully all this <laughs> stuff is on Audible and uh, Amazon Prime. So <laughs> I just cannot imagine reading that out loud to people. Well, that's because you're a child. I know. <laughs> You're 12 on the inside. You can't get through the dirty words without laughing. I identify with that. Like, I'd be like, you know, I know. what I mean? Like, her love pudding. Oh my God. Turgid <laughs> <laughs> member. Right, right. But she discussed, okay, so she grew up Catholic and she's Hispanic. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's a very repressed female culture, right? Mm-hmm. Very patriarchal. And Julie is CJ's mom. They talk to Julie and Mm -hmm. she has the most amazing dresses. And her hair. I know. Oh, it was beautiful. I love her so much. I did too. Yeah. But she was only like 16 when she had Mm -hmm. CJ. So they grew up kind of more like sisters. Mm -hmm. CJ has a big family and she just wanted to get out. Right. Mm -hmm. So she went into the Air Force. She gets out of the Air Force. She goes to college, graduates with a 4.0. I know. I couldn't believe that. I mean. Damn girl, go. And then she couldn't find a job, no. like answering phones. And no. I'm like, motherfucker. Now, I have that this is around 2008 mm-hmm. when we know the world just went to shit, right? That yeah, was right during the beginning of the recession. Yeah. So that wasn't terribly surprising that she mm-hmm. wasn't able to find work, even though she was seemed highly qualified. I don't know. I don't know that they mentioned what her degree was in, but you kind of get the sense that this lady's a badass. Mm-hmm. She rides Harley's. Her and her husband ride, yeah. ride motorcycles together. Like, listen, I wouldn't mess with her. Yeah. I wouldn't mess with anybody, honestly. Let's put it out there. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm lily livered. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she wrote these stories, and she has two main characters. She identifies with both. The female character is more of her vulnerable side, her softer side in that. 
-hmm. Whereas the male character is, you know, he's a planner, he's a scheduler, he's put together, he's got a shit together. Right. He's a little bit of both, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure most people can relate to if they're writing. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was her husband who pushed her to publish them. He's like, these are great stories. Mm -hmm. You should publish. Of course, she sent it out to all the publishing houses who were like, thanks, but no. Right. We only want proper literature, I'm sure, some stupid shit they said. Well, yeah. I always would like to be in the room where they're like, oh, we should have probably gone with this, you know, whatever book that ended up blowing up and being huge. Harry Potter. I mean, that's an excellent example. Turned down by like every single one. Yeah. By the way, which was also kind of vilified because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Christian. It was talking about wizards and, you know, it was secular and horrible and blah, blah, blah. And again, I'm like, Mm -hmm. whatever gets people fucking reading is a win for us all. Especially kids. You're getting kids reading. Yeah. And so she decided to, after she got rejected by all the publishers, she decides to self-publish. And I personally love the idea of self-published. I've read a lot of books that were self-published. My Mm -hmm. only comment to anyone listening, if you are self-published, send it to me. Let me edit. That's all (laughs) I'm asking for free. I'll do it for free. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Let me edit. Yeah. I like the way that the authors, CJ being the first kind of talked about self-publishing was kind of a, was foo-fooed off, right? Like it's vanity publishing. Like Mm -hmm. if you have to pay people to read your stories, you're not a real author. And I'm like, what are people doing? Like, how difficult must it be to put your sweat and tears and be that vulnerable to let people see inside your brain and publish something yeah. for others to read? And then here are people being like, well, you're not a real author because you didn't get picked up by Simon & Schuster or whatever. <sighs> yeah. But they talk about even some publishers later, some agents and publishers, they kind of talk to a few different ones here, how you have so much more control. When you Mm -hmm. publish your own work, Mm -hmm. you get to determine what's in it. You get to determine when it's released, how much you're going to charge for it, everything. The only Mm -hmm. downfall is, is it's very difficult to get your self-published book made tangible, right? It's only Mm -hmm. most likely just going to be eBooks, right? Which is fine. That's where most of the books are anyway. Yep. But I think it's brilliant. I love self-publishing. I love going to Amazon and getting my $2 books. And yeah. reading them and absolutely just please let me edit them. <laughs> Some dream to write. Aaron dreams to edit. So <laughs> I do. I do dream to right. edit. That's my fantasy job is to be able to mm-hmm. edit fiction books. Yeah. So she published this duology and is pretty successful. She did well. She mm-hmm. allowed her husband who was working at a job that he didn't like to quit because, you know, mm-hmm. financially she could. Yep. Unfortunately, his ideas, whatever he wanted to do, they don't get into it, didn't quite take off like he wanted. And then he just kind of got depressed and again, became kind of a stumbling block in their marriage Mm -hmm. because she was the successful one and he wasn't doing as well as he had hoped. Right. Which is unfortunate. Yes. Thankfully, they made it work. They have daughters and that they're able to take care of and everything. And he seemed like a pretty cool cat. They showed him a few times. I definitely think that in the clip that they put out there, he's a little bit meh because she's trying to work on a story at one point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's okay, like, okay, what about this possibility? I mean, he's not really participating, which is okay, but he seems, again, just really like, oh, about it. And I thought, what a bummer. It could have been the camera, too. I agree. Like how people behave in front of a camera. Yeah. My only thing I would say to him from that clip is, sir, if you're going to have long hair, and you want it braided, learn how to braid it. That's on you. 
as a late braider myself, uh, there are many YouTube videos out there that will help you with that. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, she might not always be around. Right. So CJ discusses how she's attracted to the power dynamic, right? So that for her Mm -hmm. is really what pulls her into erotica and romance is the power dynamic. Mm -hmm. She's like, I have felt weak myself in so many different circumstances. Mm -hmm. So to be able to write that the weak person becomes strong or the weak person is taken Mm -hmm. care of can be empowering. Sure. And, you know, they show her going to conventions and she talks a few times, but she hasn't written anything since then. That duology was the only thing she had put out. Yeah. It seems like she's working on some new stuff, but yeah, she kind of talks about in one point that all her money is spent at this point. And she's sort of talking about the difference between writing for fun versus writing to pay the rent. And I can't imagine how difficult it would be to be forcibly creative, right? You know, she's talking about the process is somewhat lonely and it can be fleeting because, you know, inspiration strikes when it strikes. Mm-hmm. I think it would be difficult to to do this with the deadlines looming and, and that's something that authors do deal with. But for her, it's been difficult to really find it again. Yeah. Listen, as someone who's not even a little bit creative, I can't imagine trying to force that creativity, right? Right. They talk about having to write, you know, they want you to write eight books a year. They want you to write, you know, publish every couple months. And I'm like, are you high? That's obscene. Right. So the demand for these authors, you know, what are you working against? Well, you could be forgotten in the onslaught of people that have found how to do this. It's it's easy to slip off the radars of loyal readers. Mm-hmm. So not only do you have to write, you have to write to spec, right? Like you're trying to get the right flavor of this to hit with the most people that you possibly can. So I think that would be very, very difficult. I just can't imagine. I know for authors Mm -hmm. that I enjoy, I have several that I'll go every now and then and just kind of go back to Amazon and see if they've published anything Mm -hmm. new. Yeah. And sometimes I'm lucky and they have, and sometimes they've fallen off, you know, mid series even. And that's heartbreaking Mm -hmm. to me. (laughs) Yeah. It's a bummer. You want it wrapped up. How does it end? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then also I'm like, oh my God, are they okay? Right. <laughs> they just stop writing in the middle of a series. I feel like if you put a series out, you probably have the entire thing in your head to begin with, right? You don't put out one book and think, well, I'm going to build on it. Maybe they do. I don't know. I think you'd have kind of at least the general outline of the series and conclusions kind of done in your head, right? I mean, there's a lot of writing tips on like Pinterest and things like that. If you're interested in kind of finding out more about it, I think the traditional role of a publisher too was to try to help you break it up and kind of structure things. Mm-hmm. But if you're self-publishing, I, I don't know where you get all that information. Mm-hmm. I think it would be easiest if you had the whole thing written and then you get to chop it up however you want. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know what that process is. And so that would be tough to kind of like, oh, okay, I got a stopping point and then I'm going to move on to the next. But I don't know how you would keep that kind of continuity. Ooh. I don't know. And there are a lot of books of late in the last, I want to say in the last 10 years or so, that if Mm -hmm. I'm reading a series and I pick up the second book, I better have just finished the first book (laughs) because they literally pick up where it left off. Right. There's no gently guiding you back in or kind of Mm -hmm. rehashing any of it. It's like, okay, we were on the train and now we're still on the train and this is where we're going. And I'm like, fuck. What do you mean? There's not, there's not a recap uh, (laughs) like there is on my Netflix series. Like, I'm like, oh shit, I just started the new Witcher. I have to remember what happened in the old Witcher first. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. If you read a lot of books, it's easy to get them like, okay, what happened in this series and who were these guys and where did they drop off? And I have to reread it. If it takes like, usually it's about a year between, Mm -hmm. unless you're Diana Gabaldon, and then it's like five years in between. (laughs) 
but I have to reread the previous book. I might not reread mm-hmm. the whole series, but at least the previous book to remember and then pick up the next one. Right. Because I'm old and I can't remember what I had for breakfast. And when you read a lot of series again, especially you, because you talk about, well, I don't remember what I read yesterday. So I, don't. <laughs> I, I can reread the same book so many times and mm-hmm. it's, it makes me happy every time I read it because I don't remember it. <laughs> you little goldfish, you. I love it. <laughs> I don't know how I'm gainfully employed. Let's be honest. Okay. Okay. So talking about publishing and publishing a lot and getting that pressure, Kelly Maine, she was the author of the Give and Take series. Mm-hmm. She also writes young adult books under her real name, Jamie Blair. This is how she started. She started with young adult books. Mm-hmm. And then the explosion of erotica happened and she decided to jump into that. And she had this this series that apparently did very well. Mm-hmm. But now she's kind of struggling, right? Her last couple books haven't done very well. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine how stressful, like they show, like she writes a book and she, she goes to self-publish and she hits like the publish button and just mm-hmm. her nerves. I'm nervous for her. My anxiety for her is high because putting anything out there is terrifying. Yeah. And especially, so she had that monster success with the first, and then she talks about a couple of books that have really been, eh. she's gotten mm-hmm. some feedback that she's trying to put too much plot in it. She's not adhering to the formula of mm-hmm. the billionaire and, you know, they're kind of kept apart by whatever. And then they get together and have the magic sex. And then everybody's happy after that. She's trying to put too many twists and turns and stuff like that into things. And then for that last book, which is called Lilith, I did a little research on this because I was very curious because yeah. when she talks about it, you can feel her hesitancy. Like yeah. she is unsure. She didn't want to put it out there. Right. So she's gotten the word that it needs to be darker, that it needs to be dirtier. So she writes something called Lilith, which is basically about a guy who's in a biker gang and he kidnaps women and trains them to be sex slaves and sells them to like a Mexican cartel. Mm-hmm. So I went in and found this. It is available and you can get it on Goodreads. So I read a couple of the reviews. Oh. It's really funny because they seem very torn. Like mm-hmm. they're like, I'm not sure what I just read, but I really want to read the next one. Oh, no. I mean, but how interesting would that be? Because they're like, this is a wild ride. There is a lot going on here. But I think that they liked it. So I wasn't sure if that was part of this interplay about like, I know I'm not supposed to like this. Yes. Right? Because it's, you know, the dark side of sexuality and, and all that kind of stuff that we don't really dip a toe in as virtuous readers. We are. I mean, right. Let me adjust my halo. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. They talk about that a fair bit, how, you know, you're reading these things and how guilty do you feel if someone is being raped and you get turned on by it? Is that yeah. okay? And one of the doctors, they had a few professors. Yep. Listen. All they said was professor at such and such college. It never said yeah, what. I caught that too. They could be a professor of underwater basket weaving for all I know. Why are we talking to these people? <laughs> anyway, Dr. Modleski, mm-hmm. she very much says that even when the aggression is happening, we as the reader know the hero loves the heroine. Mm-hmm. Even if the heroine doesn't know it, we the reader know it. So it makes mm-hmm. it okay to read. Right. It makes it okay to enjoy it because mm-hmm. you know it's all done in the service of love. Yes. So the drama or the violence or he's mean to her and you know you know it's all going to work out. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to like it. Yep. And my God, that is a very complicated thing to unpack. <laughs> it 
It is because, you know, on one hand, I get it. On the other hand, I disagree because she makes statements like love has always been in this. It has to be in this. Mm -hmm. You know, our next step is to remove love from the equation and just enjoy the sex. But right now with these books, they have to revolve around love. And I'm like, I disagree. I've read many erotic books that have nothing to do with love. The Sleeping Beauty trilogy would be a good example. I'm looking at you. Yeah. Even that Lilith book I was talking about a minute ago, there's a love angle in that because I kind of read some of the summary which mm-hmm. they don't discuss in this. But again, it's dirty sex, but they have feelings for each other. So it's okay. But I agree with what you're saying. It's it's difficult to be a woman and just be okay with the fact that there is some violence in sex. And that's all right. It is. I don't want anyone to have to go through that, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that's the fantasy part of it. It's, right. It's, it's, yeah. it's total yeah. fantasy. You're in control of this. You can put that book down. You can, as an author, you have control over what is being said. Mm-hmm. As a victim of an actual aggressive crime, you don't have any control. So no. that's the difference between these things. Yep. Yeah. Even though your tiny lady brain as a reader, I mean, maybe you'll be influenced poorly by this. <laughs> don't get me started on that woman. <laughs> What was her name? Dr. Gale. Yeah. Dr. Gale something. I have Dines. Sure. She's the author of Porn Land. And at one point, she starts talking about how, you know, we just have one brain. We don't have one brain for fiction and one for reality. So these two get melded together. And then we just can't, we can't possibly differentiate the fucking fantasy from the reality. Are you kidding me? Well, I think that kind of played into what my favorite people in this whole documentary oh, were. Yes. Leah and Bea Coke. Owners of the Ripped Bodice. And Aaron, we're making a trip. We're going. going. I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, that is a great title for a store. Mm -hmm. I'm like a great business name. These broads, they have a bookstore that caters to this kind of audience. It's all romance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're my favorite. And they kind of talk about this too. Like there's a perception for the royal. They have a perception that your tiny lady brain cannot help the fact that If you read about rape and it's in a book that you like, then you're going to be potentially a victim. So I thought what Dr. Gale was saying was sort of agreeing with what that was instead of. Well, they were saying it facetiously. Okay. Okay. And you think she was saying it seriously? She was saying it seriously. Whereas they were like, yeah, people say we couldn't possibly differentiate. She's like, it's just Mm -hmm. sexist. Everyone wants to put down things that women like. It doesn't matter what it is. If women like it, it must be stupid. It must be not worth time. It must be not anything. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the royal they, as it were, Mm -hmm. build this up to be like, well, these women are reading these fantasies and then that's what they're going to expect out of their partners. And that's why they're single. Listen, I read a lot of erotica and fantasy and I'm not single. You know what I want out of my partner? I want someone to support me. I want them to be financially stable. I want them to do the goddamn dishes every now and then. I'm not asking for a whole lot. Mm-mm. And therefore, Mm-mm. I can get what I'm asking for. You know what I mean? Look, it's... you're a whole person. You're not just yes. one dimension. And I think that people really have a problem with the fact that... Especially with women. Yes. Women are also whole people. What? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Which is the threat of this whole whole to-do. But can we just please just take a moment and talk about the Koch sisters and the fact that I love that, that they were talking about, well, men come in here and they just don't understand that there's a store that doesn't <laughs> cater to them. And so what do they say? What? They're like... You guys really thought this through? Is this is this really a legitimate business plan? Is this scalable or yeah. whatever? And you're like, yes, you fuckers. They are capable of doing research, and this has been a thing for forever. They're brilliant. Like, just leave them alone. Yeah. Buy something for your girlfriend or wife and get the fuck out. It's fine. Yeah. 
it's the biggest selling genre and has been for yes. years. So shut the fuck up. Get the fuck out. And then they also talk about you can't, as a woman, like sci-fi or a thriller or a, a comic book because those are full of sexism and horrible stuff. I mean, please see the Twitter account, Men Write Women. My favorite, yes. I have rolled with my breasts in concentration over it. <laughs> because that's what they say. It's just like... The things that men think breasts can oh do, Oh my God, they're crazy. Just, they're amazing. Who knew? Like they're sentient, independent <laughs> beings on my person. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I would think we need to go there and fangirl out. With those Where ladies. is it? It has to be I somewhere don't know. warm. Right? Yeah, I mean, somewhere beautiful because the bookfront or like the storefront was lovely. And I was just mm-hmm. like, ooh, ripped bodice. I loved it. And I love it. And they were very well spoken, very educated, these, these cats. They knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They're doing it well and they're enjoying what they're doing. And I'm like, can I please just come work for you? <laughs> Do you need a chemist by chance? Right. So it's possible a listener out there won't know that bodice rippers are a a type? I mean, would you say it's a historical romantic fiction type situation? Is that what you would go with there? I think that's where it started was, right, they used to wear bodices. And so when you're reading historical romance, you know, I would call them and others, everyone called them bodice rippers. Now I kind of refer to all romances as bodice rippers, because maybe we should all be wearing bodices. I don't know. Let's ask Sasha. She'll know. I mean... Yeah, I think you're going to have to have a partner to help you get in them. I could be wrong on that, but they look like a pain in the ass to get on. But if my uh, figure was such that a man was so uh, crazed with lust that he had to rip it off me, okay, I guess (laughs) I'm willing to give it a shot. (laughs) But I think, listen, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. That is actually, I think, why a lot of women like erotica because in this fantasy world, I can read it and this person... The idea of someone not being able to wait just another minute to get to you, like they just had to have you. Right. It's amazing. In reality, that would drive me crazy if it was like that all the time, right? I mean, honestly, someone who is obsessed with you, think of Twilight for fuck's sake. (laughs) Jesus. No. (laughs) But honestly, the idea of it in a book is lovely. The the desire is mutual. Now and then is lovely. Yeah. Yes. The heroine of the book can't access this because she's virtuous. The man doesn't have this fucking problem. Mm-hmm. He can just rip into you figuratively. Yeah. Calm down, everyone. Take care of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about what he wants or what he desires. You're the object of his desire because of your general bodice shapeliness or whatever. And, you know, <laughs> because he's already in love with you, he can have you. And, you know, the idea behind this is women want to be desired and mm-hmm. this allows you to think with that part of your brain. Yeah. Right. But again, if that were all the time, if someone were obsessed with me, that's when you call the cops, right? I mean, it's just, it's too much. Right. It's a fantasy. Mm -hmm. In literature, it's lovely. Yeah, it's great. Yes. Okay. So our last author that they talk about is Kristen Mm -hmm. Proby. Now she seems to be the most successful of the ones. Well, I don't know, because Laurelin's pretty pretty successful, but they don't really talk about Right. They don't much. focus on Laurelin quite as much as they do on Kristen, but I agree with you. Like she's still writing. She's got a lot going on, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like the fact that she kind of talks about, she was aware or read some of her mom's Harlequin books 
back in the day, which who among us were not like, what is going on on the cover of this? There's a horse, there's a lady with half her shirt ripped off, there's a a man leaning over in such a way that you see all the abs. Yeah, Fabio. Yeah, right? I mean, the cover says it all, right? There's there's a lot of action Mm -hmm. going on here. There's cool period clothing a lot of times, you know, and it just screams fantasy to you. Yeah. And those were the kind of books that people got made fun of for reading. Right. Because of those covers, because of the way they're presented, people are like, ugh, you're just reading fluff. Mm-hmm. Or smut or mommy porn or whatever the insult du jour happened to be. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm like, so what? Who among us has not enjoyed a good book while being on the beach with a frilly drink or whatever it is? You know what I mean? Like, that's the best part of vacation mm-hmm. for me is like, please don't talk to me. I'm reading right now. So I think the novelty of romance novels, like I, once Bridgerton came out, I read all of mm-hmm. her books, right? She has like, I don't know, 50 or something, 30. <laughs> yeah. And they're all very formulaic, but you know what? I knew it was going to end happy yeah. and I didn't have to be stressed about it. And I didn't have to really think much. I can skim through because mm-hmm. I'm a skimmer. I know that's bad, but it was easy and it was stress-free. And it's not to say I don't read other books at the same time mm-hmm. or listen to other books mm-hmm. at the same time. But that is something I can pick up at night before bed and just enjoy Mm -hmm. without being stressed out about it. Well, think about, and Kristen kind of focuses on this, that she says, you know, in regular life, women are the ones taking care of everybody else. So you spend your whole entire day taking care of people at work, taking care of your kids, taking care of a husband or your dogs or whatever else, potentially Mm -hmm. parents. I mean, you're just, you're caregiving all day long. And then the novelty of these books is, there's a man taking care of a woman's mm-hmm. needs, and that's weird. I mean, that's unusual in real life. Yeah. So that's kind of another driving force of why these books seem to be so popular with women, because somebody is, you know, caregiving Someone for you. Someone wants to take care of you. Yeah. yeah. And they're beautiful. That helps. They're beautiful. <laughs> that's right. Can they say one of the funniest things is on TikTok, they have like thirst traps. So, you know, they always have men doing, looking amazing or whatever. <laughs> I do. I do. Unfortunately, I just got on the TikTok recently. (laughs) (laughs) But now they have, I saw one or two guys showed up on my feed and there's a guy in an apron like washing dishes, just looking good. And I'm like, oh, yes, I quite like that one. (laughs) Or he's like folding laundry. (laughs) That's the kind of uh, thirst traps that we want. Because if we don't have to do it, we have more energy to do you. See how that works? Yeah. Key moments, everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. So yeah, Kristen started off self-publishing and became very successful Mm self-publishing even the ripped bodice they have her on their like bags they have like cloth tote bags Mm -hmm. and they have her on there because she is one of the more popular Mm self-published authors yeah she is with is it simon and schuster now i think yeah that's what i've got they picked her up Mm -hmm. so she did get picked up and she started a new series and it it was interesting to watch this process right because Mm -hmm. again she talked about i I don't have control so if they didn't like something i had to change it because they bought the book that would be frustrating yes and she kind of talks about the trade-offs of why she went that way this time right Mm -hmm. so like many things in life you gotta kind of make decisions so she had a nice fan base with her, with me in Seattle's that series. So, so she has a fan base for that. She goes to the publisher and the deal is, you know, she trades that control for a wider fan base basically. So when mm-hmm. starting a new series, you know, people already trust you, 
but it, you know, there's some trepidation, like, will they like this one as well? Mm -hmm. So bringing in a business partner really in essence kind of takes some of the pressure off you. Right. (laughs) But yeah, you, you in essence are like, may have to rewrite quite a bit of it is kind of Mm -hmm. the uh, feel that she gave to this. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because she talked about how she's part of, is it called Pocketbooks? Pocket Publishing or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a part of Simon & Schuster, and they put the books into Walmart and Target and Kroger. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just at Barnes & Noble. It's not just on Amazon. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's cool because I do look at those books when I go to Kroger yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Target all the time. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool that she was able to go see her book like everywhere. Mm -hmm. She did talk about that when she first got famous. This one, this one was hard to listen to. Um, She was married. Mm -hmm. And when she first started making good money, her husband did not deal with it. He didn't tell her. Yeah, it just didn't go real well with him. Yeah. Well, and I think what's hard is she had said most people argue about about money, which is what they did as well. And so she had thought that once the money situation had gotten better, like she's making more money that maybe it would get better. Right. But in the end, he just got frustrated because he wasn't the one making money and he would put her down in front of her fans. Yeah. That's not okay, man. Yeah. She talked about the fact that he, I don't know that this is necessarily linked, but at some point she was called a whore and I kind of got the impression that that was him and something happened on one of her release dates. Again, I think she kind of alludes to the fact that this might have been her husband that did this. So she said even now that they're divorced, it's still difficult for her. And she talks about the fact that she just one day said, nope, I'm not going to let you talk to me like this anymore. And she picked Mm -hmm. up her keys. She left all her shit behind. And she just drove and got out of there. And I just, I'm so thankful that she was able to do that because she had the financial means to do so. She didn't have mm-hmm. to stay in an abusive relationship, even though she didn't get hit, which is something that we hear sometimes. It's abusive nonetheless. And she was able yes. to leave because she had her own goddamn money. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I just think of all the women who are not in that situation mm-hmm. um, and have to tolerate that horseshit. Yeah. I think oftentimes when I hear women not working, and if you're able to stay at home and be a stay at home mom, and can do it and keep your sanity, mm-hmm. fuck yeah, go for it, do it. Yeah, if you find it fulfilling, that's great. That's what feminism is. Yes. You get to choose what you want to do. Yeah. But if it's not your choice to do that, mm-hmm. then that's not okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Then you're in a situation that you're, you can't get out of regardless. Yep. And that makes me feel sad for people. Yeah, she does discuss that she is extremely thankful that she had the money from those books so she could leave. Yeah. start a new life. Yeah. I just, I mean, and a couple of the different authors talk about the more successful they became, the less successful their relationships were or their men were mm-hmm. or whatever. And it just, mm-hmm. you know, again, we kind of come back to that whole thought of like, this isn't pie. Just yeah. because somebody else does well doesn't mean that you have less. Mm-hmm. So this is a tough one for me. Yeah. It is. And it was for yeah. me too. When Lorlin's husband was talking about you know, we're in a position where my income wasn't needed. That doesn't mean you can't work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you can't work if that's fulfilling, have sure. your own money to do something, sure. put it aside, buy shoes. That's uh, not a boy <laughs> thing, but whatever you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. I think sneakerheads around the world would disagree with you, but that's okay. Um. <laughs> true, true. Also, did you catch the fact that he had managed movie theaters and blockbusters? And I was like, well, that seemed limiting. Yeah. As long as, as far as the blockbusters go. 
Right, right. That might yeah. be why you're out of work right now. Yeah. Right. And then I also thought that was a funny segment, sort of, because part of it is backdrop. No, it's not a word, but because they're on vacation and it seems to be in Hawaii and he's yeah. like just lamenting about life and her success. And also we're on this awesome trip and it's just like, <laughs> I don't you know what I mean? It's funny. Yeah. Thank you for paying for me to go on this trip. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. So Kristen puts out her new book. Her new series has to do with Montana. What is it? Under the Big Sky? Like or Big something. Sky something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she had moved to Montana. So, you know, write about what you know. That is something that um, Kelly did say. I'll harken back to her for a minute. Mm-hmm. She had said while writing romance, she doesn't read romance. So it's hard for her to write it because she doesn't read it and she doesn't know what people want. And I'm right. like, why did why did you even I get why you ventured into it because it was sure. selling, but I would think if I didn't understand it or you know what I mean, didn't enjoy mm-hmm. it, I wouldn't have even gone in that direction. I thought it was interesting to hear her kind of talk about this too, because it's like to me I kind of wrote an author's dilemma. Do you write what's commercially successful, which is the romance, the mm-hmm. formulaic, like you know, this hot man decides that he wants you. And also he's always wildly successful. It's never like. He's unemployed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Or do you really write, write what speaks to you? Because we want to believe that you're writing what speaks to you. Like that's what your best work's going to be. But I mean, you got to pay them bills. So I just thought that was an interesting right. take on it. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think about my favorite authors, one of which is Neil Gaiman who I mm-hmm. love with all of my heart. <laughs> yeah. And he writes some really weird shit. Mm-hmm. But I love it. I love all the weird, weird shit. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine that that's what he wants to write. And I don't even, I can't even imagine what it's like inside his brain. But then you think of other people who are very former, like Daniel Steele. I think every novel is the same novel. They just change the names. Well, yeah. But I think when you have a name as an author, you probably can take some more risks you know, like, Daniel still has a pretty big name as an author. I think she could take some risks. Right. But I mean, think about think about your Neil Gaiman's or Stephen King or whatever. I mean, like there's mm-hmm. some weird shit that they put out there. But I, yeah. I mean, if those were all standalone books by authors with no real backing or audience, would they have done as well? So I don't know. But they had to start somewhere, right? Sure, so of I don't course. know what Neil yeah. Gaiman's first book was. I think maybe the Sandman comics might mm-hmm. have been the first thing he published. And I could be way off and someone will just slaughter me for it. <laughs> And I think as a man, you have a little more freedom. Too. That's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know. I write what you love, right? Because like I think several people have discussed here, several authors, it becomes a job and then you can't be as creative, right? If you mm-hmm. enjoy what you're doing and you love it, I think it's probably an easier creative process versus being forced to be creative. Well, even, you know, you see the thing with Kelly or Jamie, whichever she's publishing under with that Lilith book again, mm-hmm. it's just like... She, you can tell that she's like, I feel like this is risky, even when she talks about it. So, okay. So she tried to publish it on Amazon, self published. Mm-hmm. And Amazon was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No. And um, this goes against <laughs> our standards. Some kind of code yeah. of conduct. Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay. I've read stuff that's pretty bad off of Amazon. So I can't imagine what this one was. Now I kind of have to read it. But, I know. That's what I was like, too. That's why I was like, ooh, I wonder if it's, yeah. I wonder if it's available. Now it's the forbidden yeah. fruit. <laughs> but yeah, in the end, they did not publish it. And mm-hmm. she was, or Amazon didn't at least. And mm-hmm. she was kind of relieved. She didn't really want it out there. She yep. didn't want it out there with her name. 
And I think she took that as her sign to just get out of the romance genre in general and go back to Mm -hmm. young adults or writing thrillers or whatever that interests her more. Mm -hmm. Well, you talk about Danielle Steele and they also mentioned Nora Roberts, which I think some of her stuff is Mm -hmm. more like now. She writes some books that I love. I mean, I, I would not say I'm, you know, I'll start a series and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm decidedly, especially the ones that are like about witches in Ireland or whatever. I mean, I love those because I know, you know, kind of what they're going to be. So I, I don't know if she's quite as formulaic as Daniel Steele, but again, there's a novelty and a market for just picking up something that is going to take you away from whatever your problems are. You don't really have to think about it too much. And then, I mean, it's enjoyable. Yeah. You can read it in a day or two and be done. Yeah. Right. It's have you ever like... read a book in a, have you ever read a book in a day? I've read a book in a couple hours before. Yeah. Oh, so great. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I picked it up from the library mm-hmm. and I told my friend because I was going to let her borrow it when I was done. And I picked it up from the library. I sat outside on my porch because it was summer and I read it and yep. took like three hours. Now it was fluffy. It was oh, yeah. hundred pages. Oh and, yeah. And I'm a skimmer. I do not read every word. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We really are the same person because that's that's my jam when I was younger too. <laughs> Got a book from the library, sat on my porch, poured through it. Now, I really remember doing that with like Dean Koontz books or something mm-hmm. like that, which, you know, are not on the fluffier side. Sometimes they're a little bit more, but and just ripping through them. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I did too until from the corner of his father's eye or some stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. Day of my life, I'll never get back. <laughs> Talk to me about Dean Koontz. He is persona non grata in this house. <laughs> that's right so sorry mm-hmm. we can get back to Kristen because we kind of skipped around with Kelly I apologize yes yes sorry about yeah so Kristen puts out her new book it's published like by a real proper publisher she has mm-hmm. a party which I love celebrate your successes ladies and men yeah everyone and you know you kind of watch her go through this process of okay it's like 150 on Amazon, it's got to break the top mm-hmm. 100. Because once it breaks the top 100, it's in front of more people's eyes, it's on mm-hmm. lists, and people see it and yep. just kind of perpetuates and moves up. Yep. It was like 25 on Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. And you kind of watch as it gets a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And then it mm-hmm. does, breaks the top 100, it breaks the 25 in Barnes and Noble, and she can breathe mm-hmm. like the sigh of relief because she was worried. She's like, listen, right? I took this chance going with them, I lost control over it going with them. And now if it doesn't even do well, Mm-hmm. why did you go through all that? Right. Right. I mean, I can imagine that it's, again, I think writing is putting yourself out there in a way that is difficult. Like mm-hmm. probably most people want to experience. It's like having the world's most extended public speech. Right. And people are terrified of speaking in public, but here you're putting all of your vulnerabilities out there. Yeah. So I think it, it would be difficult. And especially since she'd been a raging success before, you know, Yeah. so. I think it's terrifying. Yeah. One thing, I think it was Kelly who said, every time you hit submit, you go through this anxiety. It doesn't matter what you're submitting, <laughs> you go through this anxiety. And listen, yeah. I do it with my data. Every time I hit regrets, I'm like, please pass, please pass, right? <laughs> Almost yeah. the same thing. I put my heart and soul mm-hmm. into that for at least a day. And then yeah. I move on to the next thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I liked the fact that, you know, she she did reach the success that she wanted to. Mm-hmm. She talked about some little milestones like, she edged up over like one spot above Nora Roberts and some just little things like that, that I thought would, you know, we've, we've seen a little bit of that as podcasters. Cause you're like, Ooh, look where our name is here. Or, you know, we have another listener in a new country or, you know, it's just small successes that make you excited. And mm-hmm. I identified with that. Yep. You know, she was excited to see her book right mm-hmm. next to Nora Roberts. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, she's like, I just, I would just like to be invited to a signing with her. And she was, she was eventually invited to a signing with Nora Roberts. And I thought, oh, see, you're doing so well. I'm so proud of you. Right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. I think in the end, what we learned from this is that one, writing's really fucking hard, but that I knew. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even write in a journal, right? So (laughs) it would, it would be so bad. I can't even read my notes that I brought today. (laughs) So, but I think the other thing is women are going to be shamed for any kind of kink they have or any kind of joy they get from anything. We're going to be shamed for it. Right. So find what you love and enjoy it. Just fucking enjoy it. Who gives a shit? Well, I mean, yeah, uh, explore, do some, pick up whatever you want on your e-reader. Nobody's going to know what it is. Mm -mm. And if it brings you pleasure in a time when, I mean, it's difficult, whatever your escape is, as long as it's not terribly destructive like reading that's really there was a lady at the beginning of the documentary who's like i don't smoke i don't drink i don't gamble but i read smut yeah. and i'm like lady you win everybody wins yeah oh my god and she showed her kindle and oh she had a lot of smut oh she had a lot of good stuff on there <laughs> she was even like oh some of these don't show these and i'm like oh bless your heart <laughs> like amen sister right mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's okay to like things mm-hmm you don't have to justify it. No. It's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Like what you like. And as long as you're not hurting anyone else, I think yeah, yeah. as much as I did not read 50 shades of gray because of the mm-hmm. poor writing that I'm assuming is there. Cause I haven't read it. I am thankful it came out because I really think it did show the world that women are kinky as fuck as well, that we also have a huge amount of buying power and yeah. maybe market something for us. Right. Other than how to make us look better for the men. Well, I mean, that's a whole nother thing. Like you said, a couple of the reviews I read of this documentary as I was trying to gather names of people, because I have gotten to the point where I like to jot mm-hmm. some notes down first. Some of the stuff I read said that all the authors were plus size women. I'm like, why have we not come farther than that? Like, that's what we have to say about this. I was kind of pissed off about that. But of course, you know, these broads can be, and I say broads with love. Mm-hmm. You know, these ladies can be as filthy as humanly possible, but still judged on their looks. <laughs> Just wildly successful. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. But I think that their point is they have to write this and they have to live in their fantasy world because they're plus size and they couldn't possibly get a man to treat them. <laughs> I'm like not that. laughing. Right? Right. It's just. Oh. And most of them were in, I mean, even Kristen, who had been divorced from her asshole husband, mm-hmm. she got married again. And the wet, they showed wedding pictures at the end. It was beautiful. And yeah, they looked so happy yeah, together. Yeah, she found someone yeah. that hopefully will love her as successful as she is and not be intimidated by it. Well, think about, I mean, partnerships, right? Like the right partner helps you accomplish all your goals. Like even if it's tough, even if even if you struggle mm-hmm. or whatever, I can't imagine having to fight with your own insecurities without somebody else like kind of poking and prodding them along mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. Ugh you know, we don't talk about the fact that that if somebody's tearing you down in your life, that's more about them than it's about you. Mm-hmm. It absolutely. And is. I wish I wasn't in my forties when that message started to sink yeah. in. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> well, when you're young, you're so insecure anyway. Oh yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's it really. Do you have anything else to say about it? Not necessarily. I just, um, I love reading these kind of books, whether you call them romance or whether you, whether you call them erotica. I'm interested in reading some of these because I think 
I don't know. I like the authors and I want to see, I want to see what's going Mm -hmm. on inside their heads. So that makes me excited about this. I think that they had an accurate portrayal or at least maybe a more balanced portrayal besides what my perception of being an author is, which is just like you sell a book, you buy an island, it's all good after that, right? right? Absolutely. This is sort of the struggle of, you know, keeping being relevant and, you know, creative and all that kind of stuff, which I hadn't necessarily considered. So I really liked that part of it. This is very woman centric, which I also thought was mm-hmm. very, very awesome. So um, even though there were some more serious topics in this, I loved it. So yeah. I enjoyed the information I was given. I enjoyed the people they mm-hmm. covered. I think the range of women authors that they covered were so different from one another. That was awesome. And they're writing similar style work, right? Sure. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I just think it could have been a little bit shorter. They could have done sure. this in less time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think of authors, I think of people just type, 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 and throwing a page out and type, type, type. You know what I mean? I think of this old school, but I don't think of the fact that I never thought of having to publish every couple months. That gives me anxiety just thinking about it. I know. Me too. Me too. Ugh. Because you know that your best work's not going to come from pressure. The pressure. Mm-hmm. It's going to come from your heart and the story that you want to read and those kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You want to talk about next week? I do. What are we doing next week? So next week we're going to cover The Inventor. Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. This is about Elizabeth Holmes, so it's kind of timely, we think, anyways. You can find it on HBO Max, running about two hours long, and I'm pretty excited about this one. Yeah, this is a crazy story. Yeah. Every time I hear about it and it's in the news, it blows my mind. So, yeah, I'm excited to to watch it. I'm excited. See what happens. Me too. Um, We'll ask you to rate, review, and subscribe. It really does make a difference for us as we try to find more readers, readers, listeners even. Um, (laughs) We do not have transcripts. Oh, no. Right, right. Not yet anyway. But yeah, please join us on social media if you've got any questions or comments at GoJockYourself. Instagram and Twitters is really where you can find us. So uh, yeah, thank you so much. This is a good one for me. All right, later. Bye.